Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins podcast. This is our fourth instalment um, of our regular scheduled Premier League coverage. Don't know about you lads, but I am absolutely buzzing to have the Premier League back. What about yourselves? Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, it's great to be back. It's good to have regular football back once again. Look, I'm just going to jump straight into it, lads. Um, well, no, sorry, I'll apologise first to the listeners at home. Folks, we apologise for the audio last week. Um, right. we, we don't really know what happened. <laughs> we don't really have an explanation for it. It was ass. We apologise for that. So we are hoping that this one's going to be a bit better. Um, still working out the kinks of these remote podcasts because we're not in the studio. But anyway, I get straight into it. But his first game I want to talk about, and you can call me bast as fuck, but... <laughs> I want to start with Man United because that was a superb display last night. And I'm going to key in on one player in particular um, because I feel like I feel like he doesn't get enough credit and I feel like we'll do it a wee bit more justice. Casemiro, guys, I want to run through his numbers with you last night. 104 touches, 85% pass accuracy, 74 passes completed, 7 long balls completed, five tackles one three clearances two key passes two interceptions one block one assist pulling the strings from deep in midfield Oren, i'll come to you first is he the best center defensive midfielder in the world okay he has to be he has to be um everybody would have considered him the best dm in the world when he was at madrid and now that he's at united now there's been questions asked and it's always the way um but look I didn't think United... Look, it was a 3-0 win. I didn't think they performed overly well last night. However, Casemiro really showed his class. He showed um, he showed both his defensive qualities and attacking ability. Yeah. Uh, and he was he was just all over the pitch. Uh, we mentioned it in, in our parlay last night. Um, he was in left-back for the first goal, and he set up the first goal, essentially. Um and then the third goal, of course, his interception. He was the one man still switched on at all times. And it was great pass to Fred. And for a play to Fred, great finish as well. Um, I don't think it's papering over the cracks this time because we've had a lot of people come in at up midfield. And it's been, oh, who's going to replace Kjaric? Who's going to replace now Matic? And I think Casemiro's the real deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you on that, Oren. Connor, obviously, you know, as Oren was alluded to there, you know, we have had a few midfielders come in over the years that have just sort of papered over the cracks. They've not come in really to establish themselves in the Man United side. What is it that you like about Casemiro? What makes him different to the rest? Well, as you were saying, there we I think United have been crying out for a a central midfielder, like a, a centre defensive midfielder for years, and it's like been a key missing point. Um He's just he's so good. He's he's just so good at like breaking up the play. Uh he's as the warning saying, like he was in left back, he sees the danger, he knows where to go, he's got that experience. Uh and he, he he can play a pass, you know, even that ball to Fred was like I think it was like maybe there was a few players down the right, he could have just played the easy pass, but he, he picked out Fred with just brilliantly, great finish by Fred, uh, which I was surprised by to be honest. But uh <laughs> yeah, I think he could just see the difference in class. I, I don't like Fred baller. Yeah, two 0 up. I wasn't that surprised actually, because if it was nil nil, he might have missed it. Like to be fair, but <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> yeah, he would have ballooned that into Rosehead. But see, <laughs> with Casemiro, you can see the difference in class because I know certain people like the McTominay, the Fred, but there's just a golf in class there. We've seen it with Madrid, how good he was, how key he was when they lost him. They were gutted. Like you've seen Cruz and Modric come out. They, I think, as um, he's kind of alluded to, I think he's been underrated a bit because. At Madrid, he was he was so good. He was so good at like protecting, like the, like even you think of the Madrid teams, they weren't as good right back, left back, like Carv- or Carva Holland, Marcelo. He was he was protecting them. He's protecting that back four, and he can go forward and get the ball. And he was just like letting Modric and Cruz do their thing. But he was key, I thought as well. And even for Brazil, he was he was one of their star performers at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really his fault they got put out, to be honest, because. I thought he was very good at the World Cup too, and I think he would have—he would actually been if they would have kept going, he would have been a—he could have been player of the tournament. Yeah, look, I don't—I don't think that's—I don't think that's a mad thing to say either. To be honest, I thought Casemiro was excellent at the World Cup. Owen, I'll come to you with this one. Look, what is it? Do you think that that maybe sets Casemiro apart from the rest? What is it that you believe puts him on a different pedestal to say the likes of Rodri and guys like this? 
Casemiro is just so good at reading the game. He's almost two or three steps ahead of everybody else when it comes to where the ball is going to be. Um, I'm, it's going to sound random, but Casemiro is this sort of innocent face on him. He makes these he makes these wee fouls, and he just looks at the ref, and the ref just lets him wave it. Wee fouls other players might make make a yellow card. Casemiro probably makes five or six fouls before he gets a yellow card, but that's not a grudge on him. He just has this sort of he just knows what he's at. He does the smart fouls that aren't going to get him booked, but are going to stop the opposition. Um, what really epitomized Casemiro's impact last night was the third goal, because it was both sides of him. He got in the he got in he over he got a turnover, a great tackle. Played a great pass into Fred, and then Fred became uh, prime for this for a second. That's a great <laughs> wee finish. <laughs> well, that's it. Look, he, he, there is those both both elements to his game. Another player, lads, that I just want to run through quickly before we move on to Forest. Um, look, obviously United were hit with a lot of illness there last night. Um, a lot of boys not 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 fit to play the, the full game. Thought Baran played very well last night, but look, Luke Shaw stepped in last night at centre back. And it, to me personally, it looked like he had been there all his life. Mm-hmm. So I'll run through his run through his numbers with you here. 118 touches. He was the fir- the most touches of any Man United player. 100 passes completed. Most of any Man United player. 90% pass accuracy. 11 ball recoveries. Most of any United player. Five long balls completed. Three out of three of his aerial duels were won. Three interceptions. The most of any United player and two clearances. thought it was a very underrated and superb performance from Luke Shaw last night. Mm-hmm. Oren, do you think that's maybe a realistic conversation, that, that if needs must, Shaw could step in and play centre-back then? Oh yeah, 100%. Um, like I was going to say whenever he mentioned Shaw that he completed 100 passes, which was the most out of any United player last night. Um, yeah, no, he, he was fantastic. We've seen him in a back five at left centre-back sometimes, under Ollie and stuff in the Champions League. Uh, against City and the likes of Liverpool and stuff like that, we've seen him play there under Oli, um, and he always performed all right. Um, what uh, Ten Hag said last week against Burnley, whenever we had a shortage of centre backs, that Luke Shaw was the first man to step up and say, "I'll play centre back." But obviously, yeah. he ended up choosing Casemiro. Which mm-hmm. look, Casemiro can play there too. It's a hundred percent. I think it's good to have that versatility, especially with Malasia coming in at left back. Like he does, he's young, he needs games. He's still quite raw. He played well last night, but there's still a few errors in him that need to be kinked out. Um, and obviously Maguire, lucky had a good World Cup, but he's struggling with a bit of illness. And even just his, his natural form for United isn't a hundred percent there at the mm-hmm. minute. So Agreed. to have that option of Luke Shaw at centre back is is definitely a, a big bonus for Manchester United. Yeah, agreed, Orn. Completely agreed. Connor, overall then, just to just to clean up on Man United then, what, what did you make of the performance? Where did Man United go from here? Are we starting to see Ten Hag's Reds cooking a wee bit? Yeah, it's it is we're we're getting better. Um the more time I think we're gonna keep improving, the more time we'll have under Ten Hag. Uh with this season I think it is just trying just keep trying to get wins. I think I think Ten Hag has been I think at the start we were struggling defensively and uh, struggling to keep clean sheets, but I think he's happier now. We're, we're keeping clean sheets. You know, we look a bit more solid at the back. I know that like the goal that was disallowed was poor, was switched off. I need to be alert because I think not enforced are a very poor outfit, and I think they will get relegated, but you still have to beat these teams on a 3-0. It was comfortable, would dominate the game. Um, Rashford's playing well. I do think, I think Ten Hag was saying as well, we need a striker. I think we definitely need a striker because I think Martial is a good player, but uh, he is injury prone. And mm-hmm. we need an out and out number nine. Uh, but I think, you know, we've got to win our next two games. We play Wolves, who are near the bottom of the league, and we'll play Bournemouth. If we go win them games, and then I think we'll play City maybe in the Derby, and then we'll see where we're at then. But hopefully, I, I do think we're playing better football now, and we're more exciting to watch, and we are starting to dominate games, which is totally different to what we're used to in the last few years. Absolutely agreed, Connor. Absolutely agreed. Owen, I'm going to come to you on this one then. Look. Forest. What are we saying about them then? Look, over the past number of weeks before the break in the World Cup, um, I think all three of us were 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 certain that they were going to go down. What's your verdict on them? We haven't really heard from you on Forest yet. So, what's your overall take then on a team like Nottingham Forest? Look, Nottingham Forest have tried the model that Fulham tried a good few years ago of throwing money at players. The base, how many players have brought in? They brought in over twenty players. Mm-hmm. They brought they brought in like basically two new teams, and that the, those players need time to gel. They didn't really 
stick with the boys who got them up through the playoffs, which is probably one of the hardest ways to get up to the Premier League, is through the Championship playoffs. Yeah. And they just haven't gelled. Like, they would go difference of minus 22 after, what is it, 15 games or 16 games or whatever it is. Like, defensively, they're poor. I don't see where their goals are going to come from, honestly. Um, it's Abu, uh, Awobi, what's he called the bike? I'm brutal. Oh, yeah, that guy up front, he's just not scoring. Yeah. Non enforced just aren't creating goals. They're not really creating chances. Like, yeah, they went to United last night that the goal disallowed. Right, it was by his offside. But did they really create many clear cut chances? Because United have been giving away clear cut chances all season and for the last number of years. It's not like you're going to United in 2006 where you know you're going to get one half sniff at the goal. Like, you can create chances against this United team, and Forrest just didn't in the slightest. Yeah, like, Forrest have only scored 11 goals this season, and they haven't scored in an away game in, like, seven or something. So mm-hmm. One away game all season. They can't score goals. They're just... If it's going to be a goal, it's going to be from a set piece, really. That's really mm-hmm. all you can see. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Agreed, totally agreed. Well, look, I'll move it on here. We'll go to the, the boys at the top of the table. And, wow, they are just proving all the doubters wrong at the minute, aren't they? Um, Arsenal look first 20 minutes I thought you know they looked like they were just shaking the cobwebs off but look I want to pick out a player last night who I thought played particularly well for Arsenal and a lot of people probably didn't give him his dues Eddie Nketiah stepped up came into the number nine role and to be honest I thought he played just as well if not better than what Jesus had been playing over the past few weeks Connor what do you think what 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 did you think of Enkedia's performance overall last night then? Yeah, I thought I thought he played very well. Um he, he is a good player. Uh he's like I've seen he's like England's top scorer under twenty ones. Like he can score goals. Uh but I thought all round he was good. He held the ball up well. Um and the finish, the strength to push off the defender and to uh finish the goal was unbelievable. I actually thought he was clinical, like that was a great finish. Because Jesus, that has been the one question about him. It's been never his hold up player skill, it's just his finishing. Uh, I do. I do think maybe I see they're they're linked to a few guys. I do think maybe they still do need maybe another forward player in there. You mm-hmm. know, Saka's been playing well. Odegaard's been unbelievable as well. But I do think Enkedia, seeing he scored eleven in his last eleven games at the Emirates, like he is good at home. He's a good player. He can take a chance. So I think Arsenal, as you said, they're proving the doubters wrong. And as I think Declan Rice came out and said after. They are title contenders. There's no doubt about it now. They play great football. Even when they went 1-0 down, you still believed. You watched them play. They're, they're still confident. Like Saka, you know, Odegaard's been very good for them. Great. He's been their captain. He's, he's been unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, Enkedia has been good. But I do think they will still go for a forward option in January. Mm-hmm. No, that, look, that's 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 fair enough. I think Mudrick's probably the, the most likely yeah. to head to Arsenal at the minute. The young fella from Shakhtar, he'd be a... He'd be a fantastic addition for them. Brings a lot of brings a lot of pace, a lot of lot of speed, directness. Really likes to go with the man. I think he would definitely make them better. Oren, I'll come to you then next. Um, what did you what did you make of Arsenal's performance then last night overall? Who who stood out to you then? Well, look, um, I I've been one of the doubters for Arsenal. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I didn't think that the hard will it takes, and look, I'll probably change my mind again in a couple of weeks. Well, look, um, I. I I seen your tweet last night, and I have to say, I thought it was very ballsy of you to come out and say, look, I, I was wrong here. So do you, do you think your opinion will still chop and change over the course of the season? I, I do, to be honest. I do think it'll change. I do think they're genuine title contenders. I'm not going to take that off them. Whether they can win the title or not, we'll, we'll see, because there's still a lot of the season to go, um, and a couple of injuries could impact them greatly. But look, they're playing phenomenal football. Um, Mikel Arteta has made some great decisions over the past six months to twelve months, and I think the the key decision that he made was making Martin Odegaard his captain. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been absolutely phenomenal. He pulls the strings in that Arsenal midfield. Not even just midfield. He's up front. He's he's helping out defensively. He's all over the place. Um, Adrian Kadia, yeah, he came in yesterday. He performed well, and look, that's that's another one of Arteta's good decisions. Adrian Kadia was a free agent there in the summer for. <laughs> A couple of days and he was like no look I, I want him I want him at Arsenal this is where his future lies um, and he is just one of them players Eddie Nketiah was always one of them players you do need a, a backup striker that, that's quality enough 
to jump in whenever he's needed. It's like Divock Origi was for for Liverpool. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's serious. But they're going to sign this Mudrick fella. I think they will sign him. Uh, he's only going to make them better. But um, it it is a question of where he's going to play. Like you're you're going to be spending the odds of of seventy million pound on this young fella. Um, and when Smith Rowe can't even get into the team, it's it's going to be it's going to be tricky for Arteta. So it'll be interesting to see how but, that works out but yeah. you do need that quality on the bench see Arteta though like he seems to be doing that Man City approach kind of like you have two players in every position just mm-hmm. to have that strength and squad and you do and, need that you yeah do and he that. and especially this came, season yeah. with a lot of games yeah. you are going to need it um it's just it's, it's a big risk because the last big money signing they really spent on was Nicola Pepe Pepe and that was disaster. and now yeah. he's away on loan back to league on so it's a big risk for them Paying for a young fella from the Ukrainian league, paying about seventy million. But look, we've all seen him in the Champions League. He's brilliant. Yeah. Let's hope it works out for him. But they like to give young players a chance. You're seeing like Saka, Martinelli. They've been absolutely yeah. unbelievable this season. Yeah. So, and as Ortega says, he says we're only picking players we need. Like he's not going desperately trying to sign players. He knows who he wants, and he's doing well with it. So, I would back him in that situation. Yeah, well, that's it. Ortega's not building a team necessarily towards the title this year. Arteta's building the team to be consistent title challengers for the next five, six years. Uh, yeah, agreed. A player like Mudrick, like I watched Mudrick twice this season in the Champions League against Celtic and he broke my heart because he was the only thing Shakhtar had. He scored twice against us and he should have set up a winner only, or for Shakhtar when he played him the second time, only somebody decided that three yards out is too close in the try and score a goal. Um, but a player like Mudrick, uh, Connor alluded to, his pace, his directness would only make that Arsenal team better. Like, I think Arsenal have one of the most exciting forward lines in the league at the minute, especially their two wingers with Saka and Martinelli. Um, obviously, Jesus is going to be a miss for them. Gatia showed yesterday he can't step in. I do feel like they probably should go out in January and look about a number nine, not necessarily throw big money at one, but if there's one who's available, I think it makes sense for Arsenal to try and bring in a number nine just to have that back up because Jesus looks like, like he'd be out for... A decent amount of time now. I've seen he was in crutches and stuff there. So, but this entire Arsenal team is just playing fantastically. Like Arteta's got Jacka playing like he's never played before. When it looked to the world, he was out of the club two years ago. Mm-hmm. Ben White was brought in as a centre back, and he's been fantastic down the right back for Arsenal. He got another assist last night. They've got Kieran Tierney and Zinchenko, both quality left backs, to come in. Gabriel and Saliba formed one of the best partnerships in the league so far. Defensively, Ramsdale's been fantastic. Like there isn't a weak point jumping out at you at this Arsenal team. Like obviously City are still gonna be the favourites of the title because it's Man City. And obviously the old adage of when will Arsenal Arsenal it in February, like they usually do. But looking at it now, there isn't a weak point in that Arsenal team that jumps out at you. Well that's it. They're they're just move, seem to be moving from strength to strength at the minute. Performances are consistent. Um those sort of wee patterns of attack and play that they have are, are fantastic to watch but look on the flip side of that last night then lads personally I think West Ham made it look a bit easy for Arsenal I don't think West Ham were at it last night I don't think they played particularly well they had a few boys that were away at the World Cup I thought Rice actually performed quite well at the World Cup but again I thought he was a bit lacklustre in midfield last night um, Oren well, what's, what's going wrong at West Ham at the minute where do they well, who do they go to? Do you think they go into the market in January to try and fix some of the problems that they have? Or do you think Moyes will stick with the squad that he has? Or well, where do you foresee West Ham going? I think Moyes is on thin ice, tell you the truth. Um, agreed, agreed. I think before the game, Moyes had already accepted defeat. He said uh, it was three years ago you wanted to face Arsenal, not now. You should not have that mentality going into a game and you definitely shouldn't sit in the press when your players are all going to hear that. Um, look, he's made some good signings over the past few years, especially like Lucas Paqueta, who who saw him going to to West Ham. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. He, he something's changed. He he hasn't he he hasn't adapted his football. We talk about this a, a lot when we talk about Jose Mourinho. He hasn't adapted his football since it was successful. Moisey adapted his football when he first came back to West Ham and the rewards were reaped, like European football, like they're in Europe now, which is still great. But I think one one loss in Europe, and and Mice will be gone, to tell you the truth, the need to strengthen, the need to do what Arsenal's doing, the need to build a team that has at least two people in every position, because they don't, like they're still relying on on players like 
and no disrespect to this fella, but Aaron, Cress- Aaron Cresswell and left back, they're still relying on players like him that just need a bit of a kick on, in my opinion. But look, it's West Ham. They shouldn't have been in Europe the last couple of years, and he has overachieved with them. Arsenal are playing fantastic at the minute, so it was always going to be difficult for them. But I just think he did admit defeat before the game even started. Yeah, the thing about, yeah. Sorry, sorry, Connor. No, go on ahead. No, go on ahead. I was just going to say that they, had, they did spend big in the summer as well. So as you were saying, he is going to be on thin ice because they were expecting maybe to kick on and challenge probably be a top six this season again. Like I've seen they spent, I think it's over a hundred million in the summer. Like they're they're really underperforming. It's a it's a lot of money to be sitting so low down the table, really, when you think about it. Um, Owen, what what do you think about West Ham then? What what needs to change? Do you think a managerial change is is something that's going to have to seriously be considered? Well, as the end of the day, the Premier League is a results business and current results business. I think Mice has been fantastic for West Ham. I think West Ham has really uh, rejuvenated Mice's legacy in terms of being a top manager, because he always was a top manager. I know you wouldn't necessarily agree with me with what happened to United, but he still he still always was a great manager. You, you seen it, he showed it last year, he could do it West Ham. I think he's earned time with West Ham, mm-hmm. but I also think that time might be starting to run out. Mm-hmm. Like West, Ham, West Ham's lost four in a row in the Premier League. They're sitting a point above the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. Like they've only won four games all season. Yeah. So, so something needs to change. Yeah. I'd yeah. see. I do. I've got easier fixtures coming up now. Like the play. I think one easier is in like teams around the Brentford, Leeds, Wolves, Everton. Mm-hmm. So there are big games coming up, and if he doesn't get results, he could be on the way out the door. I know he's done well at West Ham, but they spent the big money in the summer. They're expecting big things. Um. So he could be out the door. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, boys. I'm going to move it on now to Villa Park. Um, Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 3 big win for Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool straight after the World Cup break I suppose though lads, they, they did have quite a few players, a few of their star players didn't actually travel to the World Cup and probably kept themselves uh, fresh and in relatively good shape to come back into the season of course Salah on the score sheet um, Andy Robertson breaking that milestone last night he's the highest um, assisting defender in Premier League history mm-hmm. Um he could be an interesting pick for your fantasy teams over the next few weeks. Um, but look, overall then, Owen, I'll, I'll come to you first with this one. What did you make of Liverpool last night? Because personally, I thought they were good going forward, but they still look leaky at the back. Yeah, the Daffy did look leaky. Look, at Villa had chances and they didn't take them. But once again, it was up from about midfield up. It started to look a wee bit like that old Liverpool team that have dominated up there with City the last four or five years. I thought they seemed to be playing a lot of balls in behind, which worked because of pacey players like Salah and Nunes and get on the end of them. I think the first goal uh, was just fantastic from everywhere. The ball to Robertson from Trent was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. and um, the great, It was a great run from Robertson to cut it back to Salah, and Salah doesn't miss from there. Um, I think it's kind of gone under the radar of how well Salah is actually playing this year. Just with how bad Liverpool have been, yes. Um, like Salah has been, has still been scoring goals at his usual rate. It's just round them. There's no other goals coming. Mm-hmm. They haven't replaced uh, Mane yet. Now maybe with the news of Cody Gakpo, that probably will be their Mane replacement. They've missed Diaz a wee bit out in that left wing, and look at Nunes is in the right position, but he just he's fantastic up until the final touch. Like, he missed, what was it, four big chances last night. I still do think Darwin Nunes will come good, but it's going to take time for him. I'd like to think he'd be taking some of these chances now, but it'd be worse if he wasn't in the position to take them. I agree with you up till a certain point there, Owen. So, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you with this one, Oren. Look, to me, Darwin Nunes reminds me a little bit of a Dama Traore. It's like he does the hard work and he gets himself in those goal-scoring positions. His pace is electrifying. He's strong. He can bully defenders off the ball. His attacking prowess is very good. His attacking intelligence is quite good. But 
I just see no end product with that fella. And I like for the money that Liverpool spent on him, eighty million. Eighty million is a lot. That sh- eighty million should guarantee you a player that comes in and scores twenty five goals a season. Mm-hmm. Or and what's your what's your take on Darwin Nunes? Because at this stage, I'm running out of excuses for him, and I ju- I'm just not sure if he's the right man for Liverpool. Well, do you know what, Connor? And this is a, a little preview to Odie's opinion of the week. Um, I think Darwin Nunes is gonna match Holland's numbers in the next couple of years. Oh, really? Yeah. I think, as Owen alluded to, like his attacking awareness is fantastic. Is as you said, his pace absolutely phenomenal. He's always in the right position. Look, he's not finishing all the chances he should be finishing. Um, but if like if he had scored one two days ago on Boxing Day, there it would have been a different story. We would have been talking about different about him. But even still, he's played just over a thousand minutes. I think it's mm-hmm. like one thousand two hundred minutes so far mm-hmm. in his Liverpool career, and he's got. 13 goal contributions yeah out of 20 games mm-hmm. for any striker that's a good return especially one that's not playing overly well do you know what I mean do, um, do you know though Oren the, sorry for cutting across you but the no, only thing the only thing that worries me is like let's say for Toxic City are in a, a do or die game and it's mm-hmm. one chance like you, you can bet that Haaland will put the ball in the net I just feel like if Liverpool are in a do or die game and the one chance falls to Nunez, he probably balloons it into Rose head. I'm just not sure that his composure in front of goal is is as good as some of the other top strikers around the world. Yeah, no, I understand that, but Haaland's a freak. Let's be real. Haaland is an absolute freak in nature footballer. He's what what is just Haaland like twenty one or twenty two, if that? Yeah. And yeah. and he's Obviously, one of the best strikers in the world. Like his, his composure and everything's fantastic. But Darwin Nunes is only like twenty two years old as well. Like he still has plenty of time. Um, we, we could talk about Rashford in the same light. Like last season, Rashford wasn't finishing all the chances that he should have been. Much mm-hmm. like Darwin Nunes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this season, Rashford's backfiring again. Um, look, he's been there the guts of six months. He needs a bit of time. Um. Yeah. But he's got good players around him, especially in the forward lane. And they've just added Cody Gakpo to that. Look, he's gonna be good. He's gonna be absolutely fine, and he's gonna he's gonna score goals for Liverpool. Yeah, Connor, I'll, I'll come to you then with this one. Obviously, Manchester United have missed out on Cody Gakpo. He was probably United's biggest target for January, and it it, it has really left you know United looking like they have a bit of egg on their face. Um, what do you think Gakpo, Gakpo will bring to Liverpool then? I I was surprised when they went for Cody Gakpo because. Obviously, they have like I think it's more Liverpool of the injuries, so they were just like, right, we need to strengthen here. I think Liverpool still believe, maybe not title contenders, but they they need the top four, and they need top four football, Champions League football next year. So they went right, we need a player that's like the goal contributions. We talked about Gakpo a lot, how good he has been, um, for PSV and even for Holland in the World Cup, he was very very good. He's obviously going to contribute goals and set up chances for Darwin Nunes to miss. No, but. He is a top player, and I was really gutted when United didn't get him because I thought he was going to come to United. And I, th- I thought he suited United more. He would have got more game time because I think once Diaz and Yata are back, I know he's a top player, and but Liverpool has so much um, attack like and threat. Yeah. yeah, but I do think he is going to contribute, obviously, goals. He's going to set up chances for players. Like, you see Nunes there. I would agree with them boys as well because I think Nunes, although he misses a lot of chances, he is getting in the best position possible and he knows where to be it's just it's finishing even like he just needs to be more clinical he even jumped over a ball I think it was like three minutes in usually you just see a striker just go for it he just tried to leave it for Salah he's a bit I think he just needs to be a bit more clinical likes the type of player like Salah but I think that will come with time but I think Gakpo is a good player for Liverpool it obviously improves their squad but I was surprised they went for him because I think it's because obviously Diaz is injured and Yata is injured. They must be they're they're going to be out long longer term, obviously, and mm-hmm. they know they need Champions League football. But obviously, he's going to be a top player. We talked about him enough. He is going to be. I think he's going to be a great player for Liverpool. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. All right, then lads, I'll go to the flip side of the game. Then obviously Aston Villa. Look, they created a lot of chances within the game and and a lot of sort of high percentage chances. I thought the likes of Watkins played well. Um, I thought Bondia played quite well as well. Um. Owen, do you worry at all for Villa, or do you think, look, if they were up against Liverpool, it was always going to be an uphill battle, um, we can chalk this result off? Um, I don't necessarily worry about them. I think they're in safe hands. I think Emery's a fantastic manager for them. They clearly do have creative players. They're like Buendia creating chances. Like, 
if Bailey could hit a ball with any sort of decent strike on it at all, he would have scored two goals yesterday and we could have been mm-hmm. talking about a very different scenario. Mm-hmm. What Watkins had chances, like it wasn't a walkover for Liverpool by any, uh, any chance. Like um, Villa, like I noticed that Gerrard, I've never thought Gerrard was a good manager, but that might just be a wee bit sour grapes. But um, <laughs> they are, like they're sitting 12th on the table. They're, I don't think they're really relegation candidates. I don't think they're going to be challenging any of the, the lower European places. But I think this is going to be a season for them to build the future seasons. Like, as you know, Liverpool, or Villa have a really great squad on paper. Mm-hmm. They have one of the best attacks in the Premier League on paper. I think Amri can sort the defensive structure out because, as we know, he's always been a great defensive manager. And there's players there who have the individual brilliance to create going forward. So I think Villa will be all right. I think next season they'll be one of those teams that um, the top six hate going to and hate playing because yeah. they'll turn teams over. And I think towards the end of this season, it'll be the same. The likes of an Arsenal or City could be going to Villa Park for a crunch game. And it's a type of game that they would get turned over. So I think Villa are actually in quite a decent position now. I know they lost yesterday, but games against Liverpool aren't going to be the games that make Aston Villa's season. No, that's that's totally fair enough. Oren, obviously January transfer window's coming up. Is there anybody you think that could jump ship, go to Aston Villa? Any big names sort of standing out to you at the minute? Uh, well, obviously there's a lot of talk about uh, Dan Juma, or night mm-hmm. Dan Juma. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with Owen, what he said about Leon Bailey. I thought Leon Bailey was awful yesterday. Um, and usually we're talking about him being quite good. Um, but Arnett Dengema, he would have finished them chances. Um, obviously, Emery knows him from Villarreal. He played well with them. Uh, he was a top goal scorer for, for Bournemouth whenever, was it when they were in the championship? I think it was. Um, he'd it, be, it'd be a great addition. But what I think Villa actually need is a centre-half. Um. I think Cons is good. I think Mings is good, but I think and look, Callum Chambers can come off the bench, but I think they need someone else just in the absence of Diego Carlos. Mm-hmm. Um, but look, Villa's going to be all right. Um, I think it even could have been a different game yesterday if they had Emmy Martinez in goal. Um, Villa's going to be good. Uh, Unai Emery, look, I still don't think he's going to succeed. I'm not going to change that opinion, but Villa will be okay. They're, like they're, I don't think there's any reason for Villa to go down if they do you'll be very 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 shocked but no that's that's fair enough that's yeah, completely fair I, enough I can't think of anybody off the top of my head who's thinking I want to go to Aston Villa at the minute if I'm being 100% honest uh, maybe the likes of Dunjuma and stuff that has worked with Unai Emery someone who's worked with Emery will want to go to Villa but uh, like I've seen them linked with Joe Felix like that's never going to happen no, no 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 they have got good they have got big money though they've got one of the richest owners in the league mm. so the, I think as you said, this year just be about staying up, but next year they'll probably it maybe be summer. Good. It'll be summer because I think their squad's good enough to stay up this season, but there's definitely room for improvement, especially like as you were saying, a centre back like Troll Mings just doesn't really. I think he was trying to play like a high line against Liverpool, and mm. he does not suit that. He hasn't got the pace. No, I agree, uh, especially like nobody wants to come into that Villa team just because of their league position at the minute. Yeah, and January's always a duff, difficult window anyway. Yeah. So. I think players with that ambition and that might come in the summer for Villa, I don't think they have any hope of getting them in January. But maybe like, Donjuma could change yeah. that. Like Diego Carlos, when he comes back, like he, he'll he be a top player for them. Yeah. Definitely. But that'll not be the next season, obviously. But mm-hmm. he'll be like a new signing at that yeah. stage. Mm-hmm. I agree. So he, I agree. he'll be key. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, then, boys, I'll, I'll move on into the next game. Uh, Going to go to Chelsea and Bournemouth. Uh, Chelsea, comfortable winners, 2 0, home victory. Um, some some good performances within that Chelsea side. Um, I'm gonna have to <laughs> eat, eat my words oh. a wee bit here. Um, I've done nothing but give them abuse over the last few weeks. So do you know what, Chelsea fans? You can have a smile on your face. I'm gonna talk nice about your team this week. Kai Havertz played very well. Mason Mount played very well. Um, Jorginho in midfield controlled the tempo at the back. Chelsea looked good. Thiago Silva. I I still can't get over how good he is at this age, and how easy he makes defending look. Connor, I'll come to you here. Look, the the guy's 38-39, and he is still one of the top and premier defenders in this league. Why is it that he has been able to adapt in all these leagues, and and what sets him apart from the rest? 
like the easy like the easy answer really is he's just a top player. He's just like he's just got a, such a a good footballing brain. He just knows where to be at the right time. I thought when he came to Chelsea, I think he was 35, 36. I was like, oh, he'll struggle. He's too slow. But he's just he's just always in the right position at the right time. He's just he is a top, top professional. Uh I thought I thought as you said, I have to we I have slagged Havertz, I have slagged Mount, but they both scored. I do think Bournemouth are not a great side. Uh, but I thought I thought Chelsea did play a bit better. I, I've seen that was their first win since the 16th of October in the Premier League. Obviously, mm-hmm. there's been the World Cup and stuff like that, but still that is a long period of time. I think they haven't won. I think they've won one of their last five or something like that. that they've lost which, three in the bounce. Yeah, which is dreadful. They were, I couldn't believe how low they were on the table. They're still, I think, they're seventh or eighth. Yeah. They're six points off top four. I couldn't believe it. Um, I think, I think uh, Potter... I think he obviously will need time. And I've seen he played the 4-3-3. He played the wingers. He played Pulisic and Sterling. And then he played Havertz up top. And I thought they did play a lot better. Uh, I thought Sterling was decent as well. He looked a bit more dangerous. Looked he a bit, did. Had more energy. Um, I still think with Chelsea, that I think obviously it's a good win. You win 2-0 at home. I still think, obviously, I think Bournemouth are a per side. And I think you need to be winning them games anyway. I think James being injured is a big miss too. Because I think once he went off, they looked a totally different side. They looked, they were very poor. They gave up a few chances at the end. They could have conceded goals, and he's going to be a big miss. And uh, but you have to give them credit. Havertz goal and assist. But I do think tougher tests are ahead for Chelsea, and I wouldn't be talking them up too soon, if you know what I mean. I no, look, that's that's totally to fair enough. Totally, totally fair enough. Owen, look, Graham Potter, he's come under a bit of flack. He had taken Brighton to this this status where they were. Looking like one of the the one of the better sides in the Premier League, really. Maybe looking like sort of that wolf side from a few years ago that that caused a lot of the top teams a lot of trouble. He's gone to Chelsea now. He's been there a wee while. Um, obviously got this World Cup period to work with a lot of players um, and sort of try and stamp his ideals on the team. Do you? I know it's still early to say. Look, but do you realistically think that Potter is going to be the manager that makes the difference at Chelsea, or do you think that it was? too soon for Potter to move to a club as big as Chelsea it's it's an interesting one I don't necessarily know if it's too soon for Potter but I think it might have been the wrong time to come into a team like Chelsea in the middle of a season like he's still playing with Thomas Tuchel's team you're not going to build and you're not going to build your own team in January transfer window mm-hmm. he's going to need time and like Yesterday, Chelsea were in danger of losing four games in a row in the Premier League for the first time ever. And, like, it's said early on, it is a results business for football. I know um, Abramovich gave, was, wasn't was actually known for pulling the trigger, and I know he's out now, and we don't know what Bowles is like, but Chelsea is a club that demand top uh, title-chasing teams, and they're not getting it this year. And, they're not looking great. I know yesterday they beat Bournemouth. Bournemouth's probably one of the worst teams in the Premier League with all respect to Bournemouth. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to reserve judgment on this Chelsea team for a little while yet. We need to give Potter time. Potter needs to get, at least get the John Reed transfer window in and get some form of his own players in and his own squad built. But if he doesn't start picking up results after John Reed, it could be quite a short journey for Potter. I do think he is in a wee bit of danger, and I know that's mad because he's only been in in charge of Chelsea not now three or four months. But it's a results business, and he's not getting results. I know he got one yesterday, and I could be changing my tune if he wins his next two games. And as Connor said, I know they're only it's six points, but it's only six points off the top four, so it's not it's not like they're sitting battling relegation or something. But they do he does need to start picking results up. Look, I would be inclined to agree with you, and I do think Potter's maybe in a wee bit of trouble. Um, I think that result last night has maybe papered over cracks a wee bit, because, look, I, I've been talking smack about Chelsea for the past few weeks, and I think it's been warranted, to be honest, because I don't think they're that good of a side. Oren, they're just about to sign Monaco's uh, left-footed centre-back, Benoit Badashile. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely makes them stronger at the back. Um, he is a young prospect. Um, been playing very well in league on this season. Been part of a very successful Monaco defence. Um, Didier Deschamps actually come out and said that um, when it comes to young defensive talents, he doesn't think there's many better in the world. 
that coming from a very defensive coach, so you know that's high praise. Mm-hmm. Where else did Chelsea need to strengthen? It's difficult to say, um, because you could say many positions for Chelsea. Look, they played well yesterday. I did think they were a bit shaky at times, and uh, I thought Bournemouth probably should have got a bit more from the game. I'm not saying they should have won, but I think Bournemouth should have got a bit more from the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think definitely a left foot of centre back is what they needed. Um, and Benoit Badashile, he probably would have grew up watching the likes of Thiago Silva. He played against him whenever he was playing for PSG, probably at, at a time as well. Um, so I think. He, he, he can only he can only improve under the wing of Thiago Silva, say. And even Koulibaly. Koulibaly's been good since he came to Chelsea as well. But, like, we're talking about Chelsea um, improving. They spent over £200 million in the summer. And they have done for the past, I don't know how many years. Do you know what I mean? And, and they're still not just quite there. Um, but none of these are really Potter's players. I do think in January it would be... It would shock me if they didn't go in for Leandro Trossard. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter about uh, a potential deal between Trossard and, and Caldwell, who is owned by Chelsea on loan at, at, at Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they should, like, I watched that game yesterday, and again, no disrespect to, to this player, but they were relying on uh, Pulisic in, in left wing, and, and he's just not up to the standard of the Premier League. We need to be honest about it now. He's, he's just not there. Uh, Sterling held his own yesterday but I think maybe the left wing I think it's hard for them to rely on Havertz like they did Aubameyang on the bench, I think it's hard for them to rely on Havertz maybe another backup centre forward um, yeah backup centre forward, left wing uh, and Balashile and I think I think Chelsea could be in a better position as long as they're Potter's signings and not the, the owner's signings, like if they sign Ronaldo I, I think they would destroy Potter's team completely So obviously, lads, then next game, Tottenham Hotspur, Bournemouth. It was another game where Spurs have had to pull themselves back from adversity and have had to sort of take the bull by the horns. Connor, I'll come to you with this one. Spurs deserve it of the point, or do you think Brentford let themselves down? Um, I thought I thought it was actually a very good game of football, especially second half, very end-to-end. I thought Spurs in the first half were very poor. <clears throat> and we had spoken previously about how I think before the World Cup, how Spurs are very slow starters. Um, I've seen they've now conceded first in their last nine games, six in the Premier League, um, which is just not gonna not gonna do it. You can't keep coming back. I know that before the break they beat Bournemouth and I think they, made, they had a few comeback wins, but to give it like Brentford are a very good team, um, deserve it to a lead. The second goal was by Dyer. They to concede the corner by Dyer was funny, like. But um, I thought I thought Brentford actually probably deserved to win the game. I know Spurs had the crossbar at the end, but I thought Brentford were the better team throughout the game. I thought Nor or Norgard was very very good. He's back from injury. I thought he was their best player. He's just so good at getting in there. The tackles, his work rate's great. Tony played well again. Um, scored another goal. His his Premier League uh, record is very good as well. He's fifty games, twenty three goals, seven assists. That's, that's, that's a top striker there. Um, yeah, I thought Kane was very good as well. I thought Kane did bring them back. He is everything works through Kane basically. I think Son hasn't been playing as well. I think Kane is the key. I think Brentford probably deserved the win, but as Spurs keep doing, the the fought and the, they got the point, and it could be a key point. You never know. Well, that's it. it. It could be a big point in terms of that that top four race. Oh, when look. 
Brentford, I actually thought, played some really, really good football yesterday. I think Spurs struggled to cope with them at times. Um, look, obviously, Tony now has this ban hanging over his head. Do you worry at all for Brentford if they lose Tony? I do, in a way, yes. Because, as you know, Tony is a top striker. He's, I think he's third top goal scorer in the league this year. So 11 goals, whatever it is. I'll be honest with you, I took him out of my fancy team because I just assumed he was bound this weekend, which was a mistake because I put Darwin, Darwin Nunes <laughs> in ahead of him, which didn't go well. Um, but I would but I would worry them for them without him. The only thing is, losing them now wouldn't be the end of the world because they do have January right around the corner. They can get somebody in, even if it's just on loan. Somebody who can keep, the, keep them going over until Tony's back. Um, but the thing about Tottenham is... They're showing great character coming back in these games, but they can't sustain this. Mm-hmm. In their last six Premier League games, they scored, conceded at least two goals in all six. Like This is Antonio Conte's teams who are known for being defensively sound and suffocating their opposition. And they're just too open at the back. Far too open at the back. And we've seen it already this year with Brantford when they turned over Man City. Brantford can play good football. And they are a good side. And like they only came up last year and people were talking about kind of be looking at them as one of these teams who might bounce up and bounce down. But they're showing themselves to be Premier League regulars. They're tamping the table. They're sitting pretty comfortable. They've played big teams and they've got results against big teams. So Brentford, even without Tony, are still going to be one of these teams that are going to turn people over. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that sentiment. Oren, look, Conte, he says he wants to go into the market in January. He wants to try and sort this side out, get buy a few players, get a few, get a few people in through the door. But Spurs seem to be a wee bit reluctant at the minute because they're not sure why should they buy players for a manager who's not going to commit himself to the club. What do you think the ultimate resolve is for this situation? Is do you think Conte stays on with Spurs, or do you could you see Conte maybe packing it in at the end of the season? Uh, no, I, I think Conte is gone at the end of the season, to tell you the truth. Um, he, he doesn't usually stay long in, in, in clubs anyway. and He knows he's not going to get the full backing of Daniel Levy anyway. No manager does. It's, it's just the way Tottenham are. Um, so I don't think he would get the players he would want this January as well, which could have persuaded him to stay on. Look, I thought he was going to go last summer, but he ended up staying. Um, it's who they bring in now. Do they go back to Pochettino? Um, is that them taking a step backwards or what? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Um, maybe Luis Enrique, he could be looking back into club football now that he's finished with Spain. Obviously, you mentioned Roberto Martinez. Your brother wasn't too keen on that appointment, but no, but, I don't think he was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but look, whoever they bring in, I don't think it's going to be Antonio Conte at the end of the season, which could be the best thing for Spurs, to be honest. Look, I think that's that's totally fair enough. I I, I agree, guys. I, Spurs play an awful, bland style of football. They're not good to watch, to be completely honest. I, it does remind me of watching United under Mourinho, and I said this to Oshin on, on Boxing Day when we were watching the game. Um, It's boring football. It's hard to get yourself excited to watch that sort of football, and... I, I am the same as you are, and I just don't know if Conte will stick it out there, especially if he doesn't get the resources that he needs. I just, I, I he's the type of manager to chuck the toys out of the pram and just pack it mm. in rather than leave his own legacy in, in tatters. Look, I'm go, again, I'm going to move it on to our next game then. Um, Newcastle, comfortable 3 0 winners um, against Leicester. They, look, questions were asked were they going to keep up the form post the World Cup? And, I mean, you can't really say anything better than a 3-0 win after the World Cup to, to excite the fans again. Number of top performers, Miguel Almiron, fantastic. Bruno Gamares, Joe Linton, um, even Chris Wood played quite well. Um, Oren, I'll come to you first on this. Mm-hmm. Are they the real deal? Can they push all the way, go for the top four? Yeah, I, I, I think there's absolutely no reason why Newcastle couldn't get into the top four this season. I, I just think the competition for the top four is very there's a lot more competition for it this season than, than there has been in the past few years. So if they don't get it, I think they'll be on the fringes of it at least. Um, yeah, no, some good performers. Obviously, Miguel Amaron playing his stuff, doing well. Um, I think their linchpin is Kieran Trippier. Uh, he just seems to do everything 
he's so good defensively and and in attacking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Bruno Gamora is of course what a player. Um, yeah, no, and Chris Wood, like we talked about Chris Wood a couple of weeks ago. Look, they spent a lot of money to get him from from Burnley, sorry, um, and obviously that was their first signing on under the Saudis. Um, but again, he's just one of them players, and I'll go back to what we said about Eddie and Kedia. He's just one of them players. You need a backup striker. Nice Rocco to say hello. What about you, Rocco? Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Uh, can you hear him? By the way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's outside. He's not even in the house. He's outside. Like. He's he's a new host in this podcast. <laughs> he must be a Chris Wood. Or new kills that you must yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, yeah. just you just keep talking there. I'm gonna go and sort this out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think I think new is a real deal. Boys, what do you think? Um yeah. well Newcastle yesterday shown that they haven't missed the beat since the World Cup. They've won five in the bounce. Um New I know it's kind of mad to say it's only three points above Tottenham and we're talking about Tottenham being in the top four race. Newcastle are nearly more looking above them than they are below them. Like, yeah, they have two games in hand, or City have two games in hand on them, and Arsenal have a game in hand on them. But they've been playing really, really good football. And the thing about Newcastle is they don't score against them. They're the best defensive side in the league. Like, Sven Batman is having a fantastic season. Still yeah, doesn't make enough. sense to me why the Dutch didn't take him. Um, Trippier has. Uh, been fantastic. You're talking about Bruno Gamares is probably. I know you're talking about uh, Casemiro being the best centre defensive midfielder in the world, and on ability, that's definitely true. But on mm. form, you have to be talking about Bruno being up there. Oh, he's definitely um, up there. Yeah, he's top there. Uh, Miggy Almiron, uh, Grealish wishes he could play like Almiron. Mm-hmm. He's, Almiron's probably been the standout performer in, in the league this year in terms yep. of yeah, uh, sh- like surprise of him of how he's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, like say Newcastle were to go on and do a magical last type run and win the Premier League, Amaron would be the player of the season. Yeah, um, they're things like, be very good as well. Joe Linton, Joe very Linton, uh, Eddie Howe has done a master stroke on him. He's just whacked the. Remember, like back in the old days of FIFA, you could convert a striker to a CDM. He mm-hmm. just he just whacked the position modifier on him. No bar. Um, yeah. no, way, I agree. Like uh, Joe Dorman. Linton, Joe Linton in midfield. You know, he seen he won the most duels in the match. He was the most accurate passer. He got a goal. Got um, he won the penalty. Like he was, he was a key player. Obviously, Almiron's been unbelievable this season. Nine and sixteen games. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that? He had like nine in his previous one hundred and sixteen. Yeah, which is just yeah. hilarious. It's mad. Eddie Howe has just been. It has to be contender for manager of the season. He's mm-hmm. been unbelievable. Right. He's just changed, he's turned that team around. They've twenty one wins this season in twenty twenty two. Since he's come in, they've won. They've been up there as one of the best teams in the league. You know, yeah. he's been in, he's just, he's made so many players better. Even Chris Wood, as you were saying, yeah, he's been playing well. And I've seen Chris Wood play, and I, I think he's a very he's he's an average enough player, but he can just get the best out of him. Well, and it, yeah. uh, as you said, the back line is one of the best in the league. You know, Trippier has been, Trippier is a good player. He set up one of the goals again, mm-hmm. but like he's even hit another level. Mm-hmm. he's just defensively and attacking ways I think Leicester were very poor they were missing Madison I think he is our key player Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still got to give to Newcastle and I think they are serious top four contenders I thought maybe they'd miss out maybe come fifth or sixth but the way they're playing at the minute I think that they play Arsenal next week that'll be a, that's a that's big game it'll be a exciting game yeah. and Newcastle play good football and you know as bad as Leicester were they were picking up a bit of form before the mm-hmm. World Cup, and also yeah. not a lot of teams go to Leicester and win three 0 and that comfortably. The no. game was over at half time. I would so have got to give them credit. That's I would true. said a lot of fantasy players had Danny Ward as their goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah, as well. I um, thought it was going to be a tight game. I thought, oh, it'll be a tight game first game back, but it was two 0 inside seven minutes, and yeah. the game was basically over at that point. So, you know, they've got that. Uh, you know, they can kill teams off, and mm-hmm. defensively, very good. If you have Danny Ward as Wait. your FPL keeper, you're a you're a silly Billy. <laughs> He's he, but before the World Cup, like, he was doing no, well, no, no, He's I'm not saying that. But He's like, out of my bench. <laughs> but Newcastle are coming yeah. to town. They're oh, gonna put, they're, yeah. they're gonna put two or three past you, like yeah. You should have you should have had a goalkeeper who was playing that game, but not the last one. You should Nick Pope because he Pope's racks in the clean sheet points. Yeah. Um, the thing I love about Newcastle, and I've talked about it before, is obviously the Saudis came in. 
big lot injection of cash, but they bought smart. They haven't went out and spent eighty million on a big money signing. He's going to uh, get uh, jersey sales like the like you think the type of player that could go out and get Ronaldo for the name of Ronaldo, but they haven't. They've been smart. They bought. They spent big money, but spent big money on players who make their team better and aren't bringing in massive egos into that team. Yeah, I mean, like that's the thing. It's all well and good having the money, but but spending it smart is more important than just spending loads of money. Look, uh, normally we would talk about all the games, but we are we're we're running quite short on time here, boy. So I am just gonna just gonna speed this along. Obviously, Brighton got a win. Um, looked comfortable. Um, uh, not much more we can really say about that. Yeah, Fall just be more Southampton, you know, they're bottom of the league, they're struggling. Yeah, That's going to be a tough season yeah. for them. They're not they're playing poor. well. Yeah. So. Fulham, excellent again. Mitrovic, you can't fault him. He's absolutely fantastic. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Top, top, yeah. top player. Ten goals this season. Looking fantastic. Yeah. Wolves, last gasp winner against Everton. Mm, um, big, win. big, big win for Wolves. Lapetegui's first game in charge. Um Again, not much more you can say about that. Everton looking poor. That's the that's about all you can say there. And then look, we can't talk about Man City and Leeds because that game hasn't happened yet. Um, so we we'll make sure and cover that game on the next episode. Uh, but look, boys, I'm gonna push it on here. Um, gonna go to you, Connor Dorman. Back mm-hmm. to one of the fan favorite segments, Connor Dorman's Player of the Week. Who have you got this week? Yeah. So this week there has been obviously a few contenders. Joe Linton played well. Salah played well. Rashford played well. But I'm gonna go with Mitrovic. A goal to assist. I think this season he's been unbelievable. Fulham have done well too. I think they're top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, he has 13 games, 10 goals to assist. People were thinking, can Mitrovic do it in the Premier League? And he's showing. Of course he can. He's just all-round brilliant player. Um, got the two assists, got the goal. Just a world, like a world-class performance. And uh, Fulham are looking good. And Fulham, I thought they'd maybe get relegated. But with Mitrovic there, Farron, it looks like they could even... Maybe fight for a top ten finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's com- 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 completely, completely unplayable at the minute. Really, he had a good World Cup as well, Mitrovic, and he's carried this form back into the Premier League. He is, he's a yeah. top, top striker, top really, isn't he? Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the best in the league at the minute. Has to be, has to be. And I was ripping. I had him on my bench for fantasy. Yeah. Didn't <laughs> so I had him in, lad. I had him in, lad. I believed oh. in Mitrovic. <laughs> Got it. Now, to the listeners at home, we actually have a new section that we are introducing to the podcast. Obviously, as we're all co-hosts here, we all have a section. So we thought, let's give McCardle a section. And what what could we give him? So we're calling this section the cream of the crop because it's not quite. Or sorry, the cream of the cream cream because it's not quite. The cream of the crop. So to explain this to the listeners at home, what Owen's going to do is basically Owen's going to pick out the biggest loser of the week. It could be a team, it could be a manager, it could be a player. Um, the biggest boob, if you will. The biggest boob. <laughs> so Owen, who is the cream of the cream this week? Well, the first winner of the prestigious cream of the cream a week award goes to Brian and Bwamo for probably the worst dive I have seen in my life. That <laughs> <laughs> was horrifying. Like, Fraser Forster's a big fella, and there's still about two foot between Fraser Forster and Bwamo, and man goes down like there's a sniper sitting on top of that stadium. <laughs> <laughs> so, congratulations, Brian and Bermo. Hope you're enjoying the, the pod, but you are the biggest boob. <laughs> you're the boob of the week. <laughs> what a moment. All right, then. Uh, Going to move it on, then, to my fantasy pick of the week. I struggled with this one, lads. I've done quite well with my first two fantasy picks. They they picked up points in the week that I picked them. So, listen, guys, I'm going to go Man United player this week. Get Marcus Rashford into your teams, folks. He is producing at the minute. Claim the maximum number of points available to him this week. Claim the bonus points as well for Man of the Match. I think it's a no-brainer than to get Marcus Rashford into your fantasy teams at the minute. I'm moving it on from fantasy. Oren. Gonna go to you, OD's opinion of the week, another fan favourite. What what's mm-hmm. your opinion this week? Yeah, so we touched on it earlier, but OD's opinion of the week is that Darwin Nunes in the years to come will match Holland's numbers in the Premier League. I'm gonna have to disagree. I'm gonna have to disagree with that one. Rocco's going mad down there, he's saying Nunes shape. <laughs> Look, folks, um 
going to just run through predictions then for next week quickly, if you don't mind. And then I'd say that's that's where we're going to call it, if that's okay. Yep. Yeah, 100%. So yep. let me just... Uh, let me just get the fixtures up for New Year's it. Eve, isn't it? It is New Year's Eve. Eve. Yeah, and the day before New Year's Eve. So the first game is West Ham and Brentford. West Ham, Brentford? Oh, yeah. uh, I'm going to go Brentford. Dorman? I'm going to go West Ham because they need a win and they're at home. So I'll go West Ham. McYardle? I'm going to go West Ham at home. I'm going to go Brentford as well, or a draw. I don't think West Ham's going to quite do it, but you never know. Uh, next game on the Friday is Liverpool and Leicester. Liverpool uh, at home. It's tough because um, I think Leicester can nick a result, but no, I'll play it safe. I'll go Liverpool. Yeah, I go, I go Liverpool. I think they'll win pretty comfortably. Yeah, McCordell. Yeah, I'm gonna go Liverpool. Yeah, it has to be. Like if they can't even win at home, like I know it's Newcastle, but if they can't even win at home, there's not a chance they're gonna win at Anfield. Uh, the first game on New Year's Eve is Wolves versus Manchester United at Molyneux. Richie. Ah, uh, United. Mhm. Dormant. Yeah, I, I'm going to go United. I'd be worried because obviously you haven't got a great track record of Wolves, but I'll go United. Um, McCurdle? Uh, I'm going to go Wolves. Because I of course you are. Of course you are, you prick. No, no, you're an asshole, McCurdle. You're not back on next week. Oh, right? You're the boob of the week. You're the fucking boob of the week, yeah. I knew he's going to go Wolves, too. I knew you were. <laughs> <laughs> you're all going to go United. He's only doing it because, no. like, oh my God. Because it's Lavatani's first game as the new manager at home, and this is the type of stupid game United lose. And you have to agree with me, United lose yeah. these stupid games. We do struggle at Wolves. We lost Emery in his first game too, so he has a point in a way. But right, come I, back. Don't sympathise with him, Dorman. I'll, I'll, I'll let him away with it this week. Come back to me next week. If you keep doing it, then I'll turn on you. That <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go United. Uh, I just think with Ryan at the minute, and Wolves are down at the bottom of the table. In around it in the relegation places, I think United's got them. Uh, Fulham, Southampton, that's a good game. Uh, Fulham, yeah, yeah, Fulham all day. Yeah, Majorus has to be in the fantasy teams. Has yeah, he be. does. McCordle, yeah, yeah Fulham, has to yeah, be Fulham. has to be, has to be. Uh, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, mm, Palace. Ooh. I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna go Bournemouth because Palace haven't even had a shot in target in their last two games, so I'll go Bournemouth. Yeah, that's true. And McCordle. I'm going to go with Bournemouth because Palace have been a bit poor recently. Yeah. I'm going to go with draw. Um, I think Palace might bounce back a wee bit. I know they had two signing offs, two key players, but I think it might bounce back, get a, get a point off them. Uh, Newcastle versus Leeds. Newcastle. Newcastle. Dorma. Yeah, Newcastle all day. Oh, McCarroll. Aye, Newcastle at home. Yeah, Newcastle have to win that. Uh, City versus Everton at the Etihad, Richie. Everton. No, what are you joking? <laughs> Frank Lampard, <laughs> number one. No, what are you joking? Going to go to City. Uh, City, City all day long. Yeah, City. City. yeah, City all day. Yeah, I think we're all yeah. in agreement. It's going to be yeah. City. Um, this is a good game, in my opinion. Brighton versus Arsenal. Brighton's at home. I'm going to go a draw. Mm. Yeah, I was going to go draw as well. I think Brighton are a very good side, and I think they'll give Arsenal a bit of trouble. McYardle? Um... I'm going to go Arsenal, but I think a key in this game is if McAllister and Caicedo will be back. Caicedo, mm-hmm. oh, he might be back, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think Arsenal. Was he back? Mm, I'm going to go, uh, yeah, Caicedo was playing the other day. Yeah, he's back, yeah. Um, yeah, he's back. Yeah, I'm going to go Brighton. I, I, think, I think Brighton's going to pull off a shock, and I think Deserby's just playing good football with Brighton at the minute, so I think it could pull off a shock and, and get points off Arsenal. Uh, and the last two games are on the Sunday, so we've Tottenham Hotspur versus Aston Villa at two o'clock on Sunday. Oh, it's so tough, like it's so tough to say because Spurs have been so poor and mm-hmm. Villa have actually played good football. Um, it's at Spurs, is it? Sorry, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if it's at Spurs, I'm gonna say Spurs. Yeah, Don't I'm gonna go draw. I think Villa are playing good football, and I think if they could take the lead, they're gonna be hard to stop, and they'll be good in the counter. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. go Villa. Or draw, sorry. Uh, I'm gonna go two all draw with Aston Villa two 0 up after 30 seconds because that's the way Tottenham play. Um, <laughs> so yeah, draw. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go draw too. I think it's gonna be a tough game for both sides, and I agree with you, Dorman. If 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 Tottenham concede first, there could be a bit of problems there because Villa might be able to deal with it a bit better than other teams. Uh, and the final game, uh, Forest are at home to Chelsea. 
Connor, one winner here. Uh, Chelsea has to be. Yeah. Yeah, Chelsea. Force can't score, so it has to be Chelsea. Um, McYardle, any shocks? No, I'm going to go Chelsea. Yeah, no shocks. I I am going to go Chelsea too. Richie, same as off. Yeah, I think that's us then. Um, once again, folks, just a massive thank you for all the support. Um, and once again, look, we we apologize for last week's episode, but look, like we said, we're we're still sort of trying to work out the kinks of this remote podcast. Remote podcasting. I don't know about you boys, but I am really, really missing the studio. To be honest, where oh, everything is just so simple. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but look, we hope you've been enjoying the content. That's the Premier League back. Our Premier League content will will be coming thick and fast after the games, after game weeks. You know, you know, keep it locked with the bottom bins uh you can follow us on twitter at bottom bins pod you can follow us on instagram at bottom bins pod um we are also going to be creating a tiktok for some of our our reels from our parlay sports conversations again find us on the parlay sports app on the apple app store prl prly sports that's where you'll get us have a conversation with us we are available now on all major platforms that include spotify youtube um amazon apple podcasts um pocket casts all all the, the major places to get your podcast so no excuses to not be listening to the mm-hmm. bottom of the podcast and number 121 in the uk of sports podcasts on apple Podcasts. so for the new year try and break us into that top 100 the support's been fantastic and, and let's keep it going that's been uh, that's the goal that's the goal that's where we want to get we want to be inside that top 100 we want to be we want to be at the football content awards next year um so any support is much appreciated. And I think that's going to do it for this for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and thanks for jumping on, lad. All right, boys, thank you. No problem, right. thank you. No problem, lad. Enjoy the rest of your Christmas, folks, and Happy keep New it locked year. to the Happy bottom. Happy New Year, folks. Keep it bottom bins. Bye-bye.